Thank you, Sonia, and the music team for leading us with those uh, great uh, timely reminders of Christmas. And uh, by my reckoning, it's six sleeps until Christmas, so it's appropriate at this time that we look again at the significance of that first Christmas. And one of the reasons that we uh, can consider that first Christmas is because it'll help us to maybe make greater sense of the significance of this coming Christmas. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, and just picking up a few of the verses that we find recorded about that first Christmas event. In Matthew chapter 1, reading from verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And over to Galatians chapter 4, and we have had this verse before us in our studies in Galatians, but in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of as sons. Let's pray as we ask the Lord to speak to us this morning as we consider again the significance of that Christmas event. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the living truth of Jesus born so many years ago but still alive today, a glorified risen Saviour. Father, we pray this morning as we think again of that first event and what its significance is for us today that you would bring afresh to our understanding what we need to be aware of concerning Jesus. So, Father, we ask that you would speak into our hearts and that you would find us receptive to receive your word today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All of us have experienced uh, occasions, I'm sure, when we were waiting and watching and wondering and, and hoping for something to happen that we... Um, expect to happen, we want to happen and we're waiting for it to happen. might be the birth of a baby, might be the arrival of exam results, it might be waiting for a visitor to come, it might be waiting for medical tests, it might be waiting for a special day or special event. And when we're waiting it seems that time just seems to pass in slow motion, the seconds feel like minutes and the hours feel like days. We check the mail, we watch the clock, we peer out the window, we wait until the doorbell rings. And eventually, of course, the call comes. We hear the knock. The fullness of the time has come. Do you know that's what happened on that first Christmas in Bethlehem? A coming Messiah had been spoken about for over 1,500 years. He'd been heralded by prophets for some 750 years. 
Maybe six months previously, the Persian Magi saw the witness of his star in the heavens and they came to worship him. Only hours before, the night sky blazed brightly as the glory of an angelic host declared and testified that this day in the city of David is born a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. The fullness of the time had come. That first Christmas represented the fullness of God's time. It was the fullness of God's time for the coming of the one who'd been foreshadowed and foreordained before the foundation of the world. It was the fullness of God's time for the coming of the one who'd been spoken about from Moses to Malachi. And no other birth in human history had been foreshadowed or foretold as the birth of Jesus. No prophecies have foretold the details of the birth of other religious leaders. There were no prophecies about the coming of Muhammad, the founder of Islam. There were no prophecies about the coming of Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism. There was no prophecies about Siddhartha Gautama who came and established Buddhism. No other founder among all of the religions of the world has had their birth foretold in the way that the birth of Jesus was foretold. And what is more, Jesus was aware of the prophetic background to his earthly existence. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said, Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And that first Christmas was the fulfilment of a fully expected occurrence that had been foreshadowed, it had been foretold, and it had been foreordained. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, we read these words about Jesus' birth. So all this was done. Why? So that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets. You know, never in all of human history has there been such a scripted life as the life of the Lord Jesus. And John Piper, he made this comment that the overwhelming impact of reading the gospel accounts of the life of Jesus is that here is a man who knows what is coming. He describes what is coming and he performs what is coming according to the purposes of God foretold in scripture. The Jewish scholar Alfred Eidersheim identifies at least 456 passages in the Old Testament that Jewish rabbis traditionally identified as being related to the Messiah, in other words, to Jesus. In an encyclopedia of Bible prophecy, there's listed 127 prophecies that have a personal reference to Christ. And foundational amongst those Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled by Jesus was the location of his birth. We sang the song about it just before um, this message. And this birthplace was spoken by the prophet Micah some 750 years previously. Bethlehem, though little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you will he come forth unto me one that shall be ruler over Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Bethlehem was where the eternal Son of God stepped from the supernatural into the natural, from the spiritual into the material, from the divine into the human. 
Bethlehem was the place where the fullness of the time had come. And those words that we read in Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of the time had come, are words that are just sort of loaded with majesty and with significance. They remind us that this was no chance historical event. This was no happenstance. What happened there in Bethlehem was the fullness of the time and the fullness of the time speaks of the preparation of the Saviour for the world but also the preparation of the world for the Saviour. And only when those preparations had been complete, that's when God sent his son, born of a woman. The fullness of the time that spoke of the world being ready for the the Saviour was a world where military rule and military government had brought international peace and regional security. It was a time when Roman roads throughout the known world enabled safe and widespread travel. It was when Greek language and culture had provided a unified language for for communication. The fullness of the time of the world being prepared for the saviours when human minds long for something more than failed mythologies or superstitious fears or lifeless religious practices. It was a time when human hearts yearned for something beyond pagan living, sensual immorality, fleshly indulgence and selfish lifestyles. And it was at such a time the fullness of God's time, then God sent forth his son. Historians tell us that the Roman world of Caesar Augustus was in great expectation of a deliverer and a saviour who would appear on the scene. And in some ways the mood of those times is not dissimilar to our own time because the world of 2021 going into 2022 teeters on a knife edge of economic uncertainty, of global tension, of political instability, of environmental catastrophe. And of course, don't forget, we've still got the pandemic. You know, we are living in times when anxiety and despair about the present and the future are at an all-time high. The world of 2021 going into 22 is in need of a saviour or a deliverer like never before. But we might ask the question, what sort of saviour or deliverer is needed at such a time as this? Well, on that first Christmas, the angel announced that Jesus was a saviour who would save his people from their sins. A saviour like Jesus is needed because the real peril of the human condition, it's not really economic, It's not really environmental. It's not social or health related, but the real predicament, the real peril of our human condition is spiritual. The spiritual peril of the human condition is summed up in that simple three-letter word called, called sin. And this is why the real message of Christmas is about a saviour who will save from the human condition of sin. And the relevance of Christmas is because of the reality of sin. And if you only get this this morning, 
If this is the only thing that you ever hear or understand this morning, then please get this. Jesus is God's provision to do what is required to release you from the control of sin in your soul and to release you from the effects of sin on your life. That's what Christmas is all about. And anyone who pushes Jesus to one side this Christmas is in effect saying that they don't want or need his kind of saviour. Anyone who pushes Jesus aside this Christmas is refusing his salvation and is choosing to live with the eternal consequences of their sin. What sort of a choice is it between a saviour or between sin? And yet how many people today seem to prefer their sin from receiving the Saviour who came to take away that sin? The fullness of God's time came on that first Christmas. It was the fullness of the time when God ultimately and eternally made provision for your sin and mine. And this provision was Jesus. This provision was a saviour who would save his people from their sin and that's exactly what Jesus has been doing for 2,000 years. And the question is, have you let Jesus deal with your sin? As we approach another Christmas, don't let the worldly trappings of Christmas prevent you from grasping the real truth about Christmas. Christmas is when the fullness of God's time had come when God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might have the adoption of sons. And the fullness of time that occurred at the first Christmas was the arrival of Jesus to be your saviour as God's provision for your sin. The coming of Jesus on that first Christmas marked the fullness of time that had come. It's happened. We've been celebrating it for 2,000 years. It's a fullness of time that did take place and we remember it every Christmas. But I want to tell you this morning that there is yet to be another fullness in God's time and this fullness is yet to come and it could be accomplished in your lifetime and mine. Bible scholars who like to count things, they tell us that there are approximately two and a half thousand prophecies in the pages of the Bible. Now these prophecies are not kind of sort of guesswork. When the Bible talks about prophecy, it's, it's, it means certainty. The prophecies in the Bible are God declaring to us what is going to happen before it takes place. And the reason God can do that is because God knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't just know the end from the beginning, he actually gets to write the final chapter. So there's, there's no ambivalence or ambiguity about these prophecies. God is telling us what is going to take place. And of the two and a half thousand prophecies that foreannounced events, some 2,000 of these have already been fulfilled. The Bible actually has a, a pretty good record of fulfilled prophecy. It's kind of like 100%. 
And the 2,000 instances of fulfilled Bible prophecy have to do with the fullness of the time that has, has already come. However, the 500 unfulfilled Bible prophecies relate to the fullness of time that is yet to come. And from where we are located in God's timeline, the fullness of time yet to come is centred about Jesus' return to earth in what the Bible talks about as the second coming. Jesus' first coming brought a close to the Old Testament era and ushered in a new era which we call the New Testament. The Lord's second coming will be equally decisive to usher in what the Bible describes as the last days of the end times. And this is not pie-in-the-sky, Alice in Wonderland stuff, because Jesus actually spoke directly about the fact that he would return to earth after his ascension. Among the last words recorded from Jesus are the words in Revelation 22.12 where Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. Now it has been 2,000 years, but we've got to remember that a, a day with the Lord is of a thousand years and a thousand years of the day. God's not doing a rush job on us. And there's a simple reason for that because he wants to give us time to respond to his offer of salvation. But Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Now it's estimated that there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament. And those references are spread through 17 of the 39 books. In the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ. And what this means is that for every prophetic word in the Bible concerning Jesus' first coming, there are nearly 20 which look forward to his second coming. In fact, out of every 25 New Testament verses, there is a reference to Jesus' return to earth. What this tells us is that this is not some side issue. This is not some backwater concept that Jesus is coming back to earth. Tim LaHaye notes that in the Bible only the doctrine of salvation is mentioned more than the doctrine of Christ's second coming. And what this points Two is the vital importance of Jesus' second coming in God's plan for mankind. And when Peter addressed the people on the day of Pentecost at the birth of the church in Acts chapter 3, Peter said, Those things which God foreordained by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ will suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And here it is, this is part one of God's plan. God's salvation plan for you and me is now in place. Jesus has come. He did come. He came and suffered on the cross to fulfill God's purposes for our salvation. But, and Peter went on to explain what is required in our response to this plan. He went on to say in Acts 3 verse 19 that the response is, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That's the response to a, a saviour who can save you and me from our sin. The question, I guess, is have you done that? 
Have you ever come in, in simple honesty before a holy God and just put your hand up and said, yes, I am a sinner and I need a saviour. I cannot deal with my own sin. I need a saviour. I need your saviour. I need Jesus. Peter goes on in verse 20, that God may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see what Peter's saying there, that in response to mankind turning in repentance, that there will come a time when the last sinner gives their heart to the Lord. And the fullness of this time will have come and God will send Jesus. One of the most eminent scholars about uh, future events, Dr. John Walvoord, he says the revelation of the second coming of Christ is one of the most important and most frequently mentioned doctrines of the New Testament. The second coming constitutes the most tremendous intervention of divine power in the entire course of human history. And it could happen in our lifetime. The Lord's second coming is the most prophesied event in the Bible. And Jesus spoke of his second coming in Matthew 24, in Mark 13 and in Luke chapter 21. And just to see what he said about this event which is yet to happen in Matthew 24, we read some edited words from verses 20 to 35 where Jesus said, For there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world. And after the tribulation of those days, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. I guess the question that comes to mind when we hear about this is, Well, when is it actually going to happen? Well, I want to tell you that with absolute certainty that this time will happen when the days in which we are living reach their fullness in God's purposes. Jesus will come again when God the Father says the fullness of this time has come. And there will be a decisive difference between the Lord's second coming compared to his first coming. At his first coming, Jesus came in weakness and poverty as a human baby. At his second coming, it will be Jesus as a triumphant, all-powerful King of Kings. His first coming was in humility and obscurity. But Christ's second coming will be public it will be visible and it will be in power and glory. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, it tells us that Christ's second coming, behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. You know, there will be no dismissing or ignoring Jesus when this event takes place. The presence of Jesus coming in his glory will silence every unbeliever and sceptic. C.S. Lewis 
wrote about this. He said, God will invade. When that happens, it is the end of the world. When the author walks onto the stage, the play is over. God is going to invade all right, but what is the good of saying you're on his side then? For this time it will be God without disguise. That will not be the time for choosing. It will be the time when we discover which side we really have chosen, whether we realised it before or not. Now, today, this moment is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It will not last forever. We must take it or leave it. You know, when Jesus comes in his glory, every believer at this time will curse their unbelief. Every sceptic and unbeliever will face the horror of realising who Jesus is. But it'll be too late. You don't want to be an unbeliever at the time when this Jesus comes again. And you know, now is the time when you can do something about it. Now is the time when you can make sure which side you're on. It'll be too late to choose. It'll be too late when Jesus comes again. But what about for believers? William MacDonald, uh, a Bible teacher, noted some practical implications of Christ's soon return. He said, firstly, it should have a purifying influence on our lives. I mean, if we really believe that Jesus is coming and, and it could be in our lifetime, What sort of people should we be as the Lord's people? Surely we should be people who are living lives of holiness and purity. It should burden us to pray and work for the salvation of the lost because for those of our loved ones who do not know Jesus now, if he should come in their lifetime, then it will be too late. It should encourage us to persevere in spite of trials, to not give up to not give in. It should inspire us to diligent service, to witness to the world that needs to know the Saviour. It should keep us abiding so that we're not ashamed before him at his coming. It should be a comforting hope. It should be a motive for unity and love. And it should be an appeal in preaching the gospel. Jesus is coming. It's the most prophesied event in the whole of the Bible. And it could be in our lifetime. Jesus said these words in Matthew 24. Of the day and the hour, no one knows, but my Father only. Therefore be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Friends, the fullness of God's time did come when that first Christmas event took place. And so too the fullness of God's time will come when Jesus returns. The question that you need to answer this morning is, will you be ready? Are you ready? Do you know where you stand When the coming Saviour comes, will it be to greet you as someone who has received him as their Saviour? Or as someone who says, no, 
I don't want Jesus. I don't want your kind of salvation. The fullness of God's time did come. And when we celebrate this Saturday, when we celebrate on Christmas, we are celebrating a past historic event that was foretold, that was prophesied, that came to pass. But remember that there's more to the story of Jesus than his birth in Bethlehem. There is yet to be the continuing impact that he will have on this earth when he comes in power and glory. Let me read those words to you again from Jesus as I close. Of the day and hour knows no one but my Father only. Therefore be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You know, this morning you can get ready. This morning could be the time when you position yourself in the right place with regard to Jesus. Speak to someone. Come to the front. Let us pray with you. Let's introduce you to the Saviour who came to save you from your sin. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this Christmas will not just pass us by as a time for eating and drinking and having fun and opening presents and being with family and friends. All those things are good things in themselves, but that's not the real substance of Christmas. Father, if we've not realised it before, help us to understand that this was the fullness of your time when you determined that the world was ready to receive the Saviour and the Saviour was ready to enter the world, we thank you for Jesus coming and for the countless lives that have been transformed through his coming over these past 2,000 years. But Father, may none of us leave this place without realising that there is a fullness of your time that is yet to come when Jesus will return We need to be ready. Oh, Father, help us to get ready, we pray, by receiving the Lord Jesus as our Saviour. Oh, Father, speak into our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.